It's a delight for me to introduce a good man yeah. to you. This is a good man. Uh, he's a God man, but he's a good man. Um, uh, I get the privilege of hanging out with him a little bit um, at uh, something that we both turn up at from time to time. And uh, he's a good man, and I'm saying it again, uh, he's a good man, but he's, great. he's got a great opportunity, and he has got a great mission, and he's got a great challenge uh, to influence a community of people across this nation to influence nations. So uh, I just want to pray that you have a liberty. Oh, I like your picture. <laughs> yeah, I get what we were talking yeah, about now. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, he does it with technology. What I do, drawing pictures, you know, on my notes. Yeah, we were talking about it this morning. But uh, Father, I just thank you for this man, and I pray, Father, that there will be a real liberty in his spirit as he just unloads what's in his heart, as he shares and unpacks the things that you've whispered into his soul for our good and your glory. So, Father, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. It's great. It's great to be here. It really is. Um, I am about six months into this new role, and so I'm I'm kind of finding my way a little bit with it. But um, one thing I've come to learn and know as a disciple of Jesus is that the the only um, appropriate response, really, is to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and then walk in obedience. Now, you don't do that blind, you know, because you've got to weigh some stuff up because sometimes we have a little bit too much cheese the night before and, and we get a little bit confused. We have some drink. But actually, the, there's something about the, the response of a disciple, which is to hear the word of the Lord and respond according to the word of the Lord. And, um, and the other thing that I've, I've come to learn and to realize, and, and the helpful phrase was used this week at a theological conference, was that actually I think we can only understand um, our life and faith and our journey walking backwards. Um, let me tell you, because actually we don't know what's going to happen the moment we step outside of this building. You don't know what is going to happen as I begin to talk to you this morning. You've probably got a bit of a, an idea, but actually the Holy Spirit might just drop something into you and everything changes in a moment. Yeah. Um, because I, f- I found that he does that. I found that when our posture of our heart is positioned, God, I, we, I just want to do the radical thing, the obedient thing. I want, I want to be a, a, just a disciple of yours, walk with you, know you, make your ways known. He will, he will surprise you. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going to happen in the next um, four hours or so that I'm going to unload my heart <laughs> to you. Uh, uh, seriously, no, it's not going to be that long, uh, three and a half. But we can actually only understand um, walking backwards. So we walk... Um, and we picture and we see what God has done in our life yeah, so far. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So I think if we were to change our posture and our understanding about what God is doing and the, what he has done, and what he's doing in the present, because we can see around the, trust him for the future, yeah, it means that our, the, the, the desires of our hearts are, begin to be aligned with his in a, in a greater way, rather than us going, I, I'm going to set out my five-year plan. Anybody done five-year plans? How many of you completed the five-year plan? Rubbish, isn't it? Because <laughs> actually all we do is we set out our plans, and we, we lay our heart out, and we go, oh, that's what I'm going to do in five years' time. I'm going to be like this. Now, when I was five years old, I wanted to be a police officer. I'd set out my course, not necessarily in such a detailed way as a five-year-old, but actually when I got to 18... 
I, I applied for the Leicestershire Police Force. And I got all the way to the end, end interview stage. And I was set. My dream. I was going to get to drive fast cars and everything. <laughs> and, and I failed on my presentation. I fa- as, a, as an 18-year-old, I, I was devastated. I chose the wrong subject. But I'd mapped out my course. And a question changed everything at that point. My youth pastor big, just said, well, uh, Ian, have you ever thought about ministry? Oh, man, why did you go and do that? <laughs> and it changed. And then s- five months ago, six months ago, oh, more now, um, sometime last year, and um, I was very happy in my church. I love my church. I, I loved it. Honestly, I love the people. I love what God was doing. Uh, I got a sense of clarity about the next five years. And everything changed with the conversation. Because the posture of our hearts, my, my wife and I, has always been, Lord, we, we just want to do the obedience thing. And so this morning as I talk, and uh, you know, I, I will try and honor your time, but uh, there's some stuff I want to talk to you from Psalm 67, and I'll go to some other places as well, about the mission of God and what he's invited us to participate with him, uh, him in. And, um, and you see, oh, oh, so often we can get so... Um, so caught up in the moment, in what's before us. And we, we, we get on a treadmill. We get on a treadmill ride. And, and there's something about living out of the call that God has placed on our hearts. Absolutely, we've got to, we've got to do that because um, if we don't do that, we're actually being disobedient. So we've got to go, God, this is what you're asking of me. This is what I sense. But I, I just wonder sometimes if we were just to lift our head just a little bit. And see further, try and see further what God is up to. Then it changes our perspective, not just for the, 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 the wider picture, but actually for the local perspective. I, I often found, actually, I think I was a better leader and a, and a, and a better pastor of the people. Because I, 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 actually, I got really bored just being in the same place. <laughs> it was kind of helpful. But I'd get out there. I'd try and explore. I'd go and meet with people. That's why I loved hanging out with Bill. At the, at this thing we get, that we got a chance to do, just to, to see and hear what God was doing here. So I know some of your story before I've even got here this morning. Oh wow, that is amazing! How God, what could you do here? So do you, what I'm trying to say is that when we look wider at what God's doing, it it doesn't necessarily need to detract from what's happening in the local. It just shifts our perspective. And so I want to encourage you this morning into mission. Uh, whether that's locally or globally, I want you to encourage you to think about the mission of God because actually this is the primary thing of which we're about. Um, the reason you and I are still here on this earth is because the job is not finished. So if, if, if once we'd stepped into salvation, we knew you know, Jesus had saved us and set us free and liberated and we went to heaven, then actually it'd be job done. And because he's not done that, We've still got a job to do. So the primary purpose, the primary reason why we exist as the church is not for our activity. And it's not for our services. As great as they are. And I've loved it this morning. I I do love gathering with God's people. But it's not the primary objective of why we exist. So um, shall shall we read Psalm 67? May God be gracious to us and bless us. 
we'll have a little bit of that, won't we? May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among nations. Did you catch that? May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine, uh, shine upon us so that your way, his ways, may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. For you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. Our God, um, God, our God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Psalm 67. I love it. This was a game changer for me, this psalm. I, I, uh, over 10 years ago now, I went uh, to a, a, on a trip to Nepal. And um, I'd always, I'd, I'd just had a, uh, I just love travel. I love going and seeing, experiencing new cultures. I love going and seeing what God is doing. And I went to Nepal. And, and one of the members of the team shared from this psalm. And it changed everything. Because as a young minister... I was so focused on what was going on in the, in the here and the now. And he read this psalm. And he, he opened up my horizon to what God was about in the earth. It wasn't just about the locality. It wasn't just about me ministering to that group of young people that had grown from, from 12 young people at that time through to about 60 young people in, the, in this. And I was loving that. That was amazing. I thought it was great. But I, I read, uh, this was read, and all of a sudden, all of that seemed really small. It's not that it wasn't valuable, please hear me right. But actually, the vision was too small. The vision was too small. The vision was to, to grow a, gr a youth group to 120 young people. Then we would have made it, woo! Or to fill a building. Oh, this, this is, sorry, this isn't meant to be a rant. But it might come across as a rant. I, I, get, I get a little bit weary of the pursuit of buildings. Of the pursuit of the cathedrals. To pack more people into a church on a Sunday. Spending millions of pounds on bricks and mortar. Now, I, I, we, we need a place. We need a space from which we can operate. I get that. And I'm not against buildings. Please hear me. But the vision we have is too small if it centers around building a building that can house people for, for one day a week. It's too small. Read Psalm 67. Let all the peoples praise you, oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. So actually, if, we, if our vision is, 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 is for the nations... And it's for towns and it's for counties, then actually it doesn't matter whether you've got a thousand seater auditorium or a two thousand seater auditorium or a three thousand seater auditorium doing six services on a Sunday. It ain't big enough. It ain't big enough. So the vision that we have to have, I think a biblical vision, a God given vision for the church and for mission is found in Psalm 67.
And it begins with this sense of, God, would you bless us? Bless us, oh God. Now, where does that sound familiar? Where does, the, where does, where does this phrase sound familiar? Where, where else have you seen that in Scripture? That's not a rhetorical question, by the way. Tell me. Where else have you seen it? Come on, don't go quiet on me. I've got another three hours worth of material. I need some interaction. Come on. Beatitudes, okay, yep. Where else? Numbers? Number six? Read it. I'm not doing this to be clever, by the way, but I want us to understand the thread of Scripture from beginning to end. You see, because mission, mission will one day cease. Worship will continue forever, but mission will one day cease. And from the beginning to the end, this book is not a book of promises to you for you to keep and hold on to. It's a book about the mission and purpose of God. It reveals his character and his heart. And so if we read it through the lens of God bless me simply, we've misunderstand the text. Because at the heart of it, the heart of it is about mission. And so he, here we go. And it says, what does it say? The Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. And in this they will pronounce my name over the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, God delights to pour out his blessing upon his people. I think sometimes we've got to understand this. That actually it's, a, it, 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 he, he, it's not a hardship for him to pour out blessing. Now, in the old covenant, it was about material blessing. Actually, that's the way that they measured whether God was faithful or not. God was, God was just or, or we were, the people were blessed. It was about the material blessing. New covenant, it's a, complete, it's a little bit different. If you've not read Ephesians chapter 1 yet, or you've not read it for a little while, um, I'm not going to do it now for the sake of time, but please read through it. And underline just what it looks like for you to be somebody who's blessed. Because it doesn't mention about your material possessions. And I think this has been hijacked, actually, um, by some, some famous preachers. Um, God delights to bless us, absolutely. And I think we can experience some of that in a measure of our material goods. So I'm not against that. But I think that we've got to understand that the primary, I think the primary way God does it is right in the depth of who we are. By the precious blood of Jesus being poured out, poured out for us, so that our life might be redeemed, and that we might be a blessing to the nations. So, if we want to trace back this idea of blessing and favor and nations and mission, where else could we look? Well, I think we could look at the call of Abraham. So, if you want to understand mission right from the call, get right to the beginning, actually, because we see it. And actually, we could trace it even further back, and we go back to the garden. And understanding when God commissioned Adam and Eve to rule and to govern and to bring dominion. It's about kingdom life that influences all of life, not just a small portion of life. So we understand kingdom life. If we want to understand what it looks like to live that kind of life that is blessed. Well, let's go back to the garden. Let's look at the call of Abraham. And what did God say to Abraham? And through whom is that, that fulfilled? Not you and I. 
but Jesus. Through Jesus, all the nations of the earth are blessed. Why? Because he is about nations. It wasn't simply about Israel. It wasn't simply about God's people. It was always about nations. Always. Sorry, I don't know who said it earlier. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, Greek nor slave nor free. This is true because this gospel of Jesus, this good news of Jesus, this blessing of Jesus, that isn't simply for you. It's not for you. You get to enjoy the byproduct of it, the blessing of it, but it is not for you. If you, I, I firmly believe, if you want to walk out into increasing blessing in God, you've got to start giving stuff away in, in increasing measure. Now, you as a church, I know you had a year of generosity, like, um, uh, irrational generosity. So this stuff is in, in the DNA of your church. It's in the DNA of your church. John Piper would suggest that actually if we want to experience something, uh, in ble- the blessing of God, he, he, he would be as strong as say, actually, you've got to be about the nations. Blessing the nations. Sending to the nations. See, there's something in the economy of God that when, when we start to give stuff away, the, the bit that we ha- have in our hands, the, he, he, that's, all he, that's all he asks. Because what's in your hand, give it to me. And start giving of that. The miraculous begins to happen. Because he starts to pour out, out of his eternal riches, out of his goodness, out of his life. And he surprises us in increasing ways. Multiplication begins to happen when we give the little bit that we have to Jesus. And we make it about other people. And we turn it outward. So actually, your building will not be big enough for the number of people that you're going to reach. I don't know how many people over the years, the the 23 years that you've been here. Um, But conversation over breakfast um, you, this is for you to weigh up but actually I think you're going to see an increase in the number of people who are going to come to faith in Christ not simply because of what you have done but because of what you have sown so the years of sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing who knows how many thousands of people who have heard the gospel of good, the good news that has been, has been laying dormant And time of harvest is coming. Time of harvest is coming. Blessed are those at the feet of those who bring good news. So this is done not just about Bill and Ellen doing all the work, by the way. It's not just about what they carry, because they carry an awful lot. And I've, I've so loved hanging out with you, honestly. Great food, great conversation. Capturing something in your heart. It's not just about them. So blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Are you in Christ Jesus this morning? Has he blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? Are you the redeemed of the Lord? You have good news to share. So so wherever your feet tread, wherever your feet tread, whether it's here, whether it's in your workplace, your community, wherever you f- your feet go. I believe that you'll begin to see transformation the more intentional that you live. 
See, because you've been going about your business. Haven't you? You go about your life, you do your stuff, you're involved in church activities and all of that. And it's, I love the, the missional element to what you do. It's like the reach of this church is incredible. But it's not just going to be about the, the gathered expression of what you do as a church. It's going to be about what you do in your everyday, ordinary stuff of life, being messengers and ambassadors who bring blessing to the nation. Blessing to your nation. And who knows what might happen as a result of that. Um, I'm not going to show the video, by the way. Um, we haven't got time for that. So what does then goes on to say? Um, he said, make um, uh, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Mm. So there's this pouring out of blessing, uh, walking with Jesus, that his ways and his means might be, might be known. Mm. The primary objective of the church. Mm. The primary objective of the church is to make Jesus yeah. famous, mm-hmm. that other people might experience something of his goodness, of his life, of his power at work in you and through you, that they might demonstrate something of the ways and means of Jesus that is so countercultural. You see, I think the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom transcend every single culture, whether we're here in, in Clonethley or we're uh, over in Bangalore, where I just was that last weekend. Mm. I think the, princi- the, the, the predominant culture of our nation doesn't trump the kingdom culture or the kingdom values. Uh, we are kingdom people before we're people of the United Kingdom. And so therefore, our values should influence how we live our life in light of everything. And therefore, um, we, uh, we, can, we can live in such a way that makes the way of the king known. Because the king has a kingdom. And if we're not submitted to the king and following his ways, then the question would be, is who are we really following? Are we following a God in our own making, our own image, our own design? Because it fits with who we are and our culture and what we choose and what we like. That's, that's you being your own king and living out your own domain, making your own choices rather than being submitted to the king and his ways. Now, the thing is about the king that we serve, he will never force himself upon anybody. He will never, never say, you have to do this. He invites us to do this. He never, he never imposes his will upon other people. He invites us and calls us and beckons us. He, he might plead with us. He might, his heart longs for us to walk with him and know him absolutely. But he'll never force you. So the thing about obedience to the king is it's a willful choice to say, Jesus, I will take up my cross daily and I will lay down my agenda, my rights, in order that your kingdom might come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me so far? So this kind of kingdom life is lived out and fleshed out in the ordinary everyday stuff. How do we know? How do we know what that looks like? Well, we've got to look at Jesus. We want to know what it looks like to live a kingdom life. Look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus live? How did Jesus invest in other people? How did Jesus raise other people? How did Jesus release people? How did Jesus talk about the kingdom? How did Jesus communicate? Let's look at that stuff. Ah, that's, how I'm, that's not how I, have to, how I get to live. In light of who Jesus is, how do you get to live? And when you start asking questions like that, it begins to change Everything about your life to think, 
about the mission of God because it's about his ways and means being known across the earth because this world is in a mess and it's broken. There is some glorious things about our world, but it's broken. And we're people of good news. You see, because Jesus came not only to redeem you, but Ephesians 1 makes it clear that he came to redeem all things. All things. And so therefore, because it's his mission and not ours, we align with what he's doing, not tell him what we're doing. Because he's the commander-in-chief. So therefore, if lordship then becomes this thing that we have to understand that he is, he's not just your savior. He's not just somebody who saved you from your sin. He is also your lord. And he's a good lord. And he's a good king. And he's a great leader. And so when we align our life with his and walk with him, actually, we don't, we don't, I don't think we actually need to try too hard. I think we begin to step into, a, into an environment and stuff begins to happen and people begin to see something change because, because actually we, it just, it's the, the flourishing life actually in Christ that begins to splosh out of us. I, I don't know whether you've ever been in that kind of environment where somebody just steps into a room and, and you, just, you just know that there's just something shifts in the atmosphere because they're there. I have occasionally, and it's just, it's just a wonderful. And I kind of, think, well, I want to, I, I want to be that kind of people, not because I, I want that, but I want to be that kind of influence in my environment. So I, I don't want to try too hard. I'm not against hard work, by the way, but I just want it to be like about striving and a, and a, and a break. Like I've got to. Tr- I just want to be a Lord. I just want to walk with you, know you, and, and out of the overflow of what God is doing. Because you can't make his ways known if you're not walking with him. (laughs) So we've got to walk with him, know him. Kingdom life is is flourishing and hope-filled and and salvation. Um, It it just is lived out in us in the everyday, the normal, just the the whole of life. I think this kingdom life is marked with humility, sacrifice and service. I think we... um, we see something of that call and that great commission in, in Matthew 28. To live out under the lordship and authority of Jesus and to, to teach people about his ways and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Actually, if we want to measure some stuff, if we want to measure effectiveness in ministry and fruitfulness, then I, I just wonder whether actually the, the primary thing that we need to be looking at it's not how many bums on seats on a Sunday morning. Um, that is great. But, you know, us pastors, we love that because we kind of feel like we're valued when we've got more people there and we get, you know, and all of that. And it, uh, actually, that's just rubbish. It's not that people, you're not important. Please don't get me wrong. Please come next Sunday. <laughs> and bring your friends here. <laughs> but it's, I don't think it's what Jesus values. I think Jesus values family. I think he values movement. I, I, think, he, I think he values people who are, who are meeting him. And so wouldn't it be great that this time next year, the, the spike in baptisms has gone up. I look forward to receiving that report. Not because Bill and Helen have, have preached great messages and people have come, although that would be great. Please invite people. 
but actually in the ordinary everyday stuff that you're you're communicating something of life that you're able to lead people to Jesus. Who would want a bit of that? I'm challenged by this, by the way. I'm preaching this message to myself as much as anybody else. I'm challenged by this. That you live this king, we live this kingdom. This is an invitation that we get. And so then he says, let, let, um, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. John Piper says this, that mission exists because worship doesn't. So the, uh, the outworking of mission and discipleship is that what? That people praise the only true God. There are no other gods, by the way. I've just been, had 10 days in India, and they have a multiple of gods. So it's like uh, the Hindu religion, 30 million gods. Like, Right, there we go. I'm going to mute Siri for the next hour. Um, (laughs) um, So what what was I saying? 30 million gods, the Hindu religion, 30 million gods. Um, She's incredible, isn't it? I mean, where do you even begin? How do you know that you've ever appeased that God enough? Whether you've ever done enough to, to be justified? To satisfy that God. Which is, abs- I understand it from their context because that's their culture, that's what they've known, that's, the, that's the, what, the pattern of their worship. Now, Hindus are really devoted. They're just devoted to the wrong thing. The, the idols that they serve have no power or authority. They have no authority to act on their behalf. They can't because it's dead. It's just, a, it's just a thing. There's no life in it. So let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Why? Because he's the only one who has the power to act. He's the only one who has the power to redeem. He's the only one who has power to bring hope where there's hopelessness. He's the only one who has power to heal. He's the only one who has power to save. He's the only one who flung the stars into space and created the things seen and unseen. He's the one that holds all things together. This is the one in whom we worship. And this is the one in whom we get to invite other people to participate in worshiping and praising. And so actually the result of mission is a great big praise party. <laughs> Let all the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let's sing our hallelujahs. The result of mission should always be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Somebody who's encountered him, beginning to know his ways and learning his ways. And then making his ways known. Because how else are the people going to be blessed unless the people of God get out of their seats, get out of their comfort zones, get out of that which they've currently accustomed to and begin to break forth as people who are, who are called to carry the good news to the nations. It's how they're going to know. So you might say, oh, Ian, I don't know enough. Can I let you into a little secret? I don't know enough either, actually. And I, I, the last few six months, I've been put into situations where I think, Jesus, um, I think you'd said it. Can you take me up now? I have no idea. Jesus. But the thing that I go back to at the beginning is actually when we get into places and per, um, that we're uncomfortable and we can't rely on our own resources, our own skill, our own knowledge, mm. it's actually the place when God begins to speak. Yeah. 
and actually effective ministry and mission begins to take place because we've got out of our self-reliance and put into a position where we rely on faith and trust in God to break through and do what we can't do in our own power or effort. So it might be uncomfortable, but what's the worst that can happen? Somebody could say, that's nice for you, but it's not for me. They might even call you a name or two. They might even just say, you don't really believe in that sort of stuff. But then, do you know what? There might just be somebody who goes, ah, tell me a little bit more. I'm interested. Tell me about this Jesus that you know, that you follow. And so often we get so um, disheartened by the fact that there's the three or four people who have said no, that we lose sight of the one who might say yes. And the one who might say yes might just well be a catalyst for the environment that, you, that you're in. And so we've got to begin to think like Jesus and how he trained his disciples. And if you look at Luke 10, uh, again, I, I, my time is going. And, but look at Luke 10 and how did Jesus send the 72 out? He sent them out in twos, not, be, not for protection, but for witness. Witness to the power of, the, of, of Jesus and the gospel. But he also said, I look for people who are open to you and open to your message and open up their life to you. Stay there for a while and work with them and, and communicate truth to them and ultimately lead them to Jesus. And they'll open up networks to you. He says, that where, your, where your peace doesn't remain, just walk on. Walk on. Because whose responsibility is it? Whose responsibility is to save people? It's his. If Jesus didn't force people into the kingdom, nor should you. Just tell them good news and see where it lands. And where it lands on good soil, it will flourish. And so sometimes you've got to cultivate the soil. But where it lands on good soil, see what begins to happen. So make his ways known. And so is Elam, I'm talking much about Elam missions, have I? <laughs> um, so Zealand Missions, we're committed to making Jesus known across the world, making Jesus famous. We, that's, I mean, that's the reason why we exist, is we want Jesus to be known. We, we want to send more missionaries than we've ever sent before. I think in our 100-year in our history, we've sent 200 missionaries to um, multiples of nations. In fact, India had, I think at one point, has had 35 missionaries to, to that nation over the course of our history. I want, our ne- I want to set us up for the next 100 years to send more missionaries than ever before. Mm-hmm. I want us to send missionary teams into nations that are not yet reached. You know, there are 7,000 unreached people groups in, across the face of the earth still. 53% of those mm-hmm. are in Southeast Asia. In India alone, there the, the, the 70% of the nation are under 35. Mm-hmm. What an opportunity yeah. for mission and, and national transformation if, if, a, if the youth of that culture... fully devoted to God in the midst of oppression and trouble and trial because it is difficult there get a heart for God and devote to God and and get on the mission of God what could happen in that nation (coughs) because the interesting thing where God where where pressure external pressure is applied to the church history tells us scripture tells us present day examples tell us the church always flourishes now, not that we would want to invite that, but I wonder whether what's happening in our society is God giving us a kick. Is God giving us a kick? He's making it uncomfortable for us 
Because when, uncom- when we get uncomfortable, the reality of our faith begins to be lived out. And so a couple of things to, fi- fi- uh, to finish on. Um, if, you are, if you're going to live this kind of life, you can't do it in your own effort and own strength and own energy. So actually, you've got to live the John 15 kind of life. And if you've not read John 15, again, I haven't got time to tell you to talk through this, but just get into John 15. And you might want to spend the next week just reading John 15 and seeing what Jesus says. Because actually, it's being rooted and established and, and that abiding, remaining in Christ that enables fruitfulness. And I worry sometimes, as, I, as I have, I, I've been prone to do, is that we get so busy doing stuff that we get busy with the, the work of Jesus that we lose sight of spending time with Jesus. I'm always challenged by the Mary and Martha thing that Jesus says to my, uh, uh, why would I just stop at doing what is the right thing to do, the best thing to do, abiding and remaining in, 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 in him. Now, it wasn't that she wouldn't get out and do some work. Actually, it was just, uh, I think it was Martha that got it backwards. It was like, busy, 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 busy. And Mary sat there, and I wonder how frustrating that must have been for Martha. But Jesus says, actually, just leave her alone. She's doing what's right. And so we in the West, we rest from work. But what would it look like for us to work from rest? Just flip it around. So what's the rhythm of your life? What's the pattern? Are you just busy for working for Jesus and have lost sight of relationship with him, that invitation to abide in him? Because that John 15 passage, I th- it's so life-giving that we are, we're to remain in him, know him, walk with him, be loved by him. I, again, go, if you go to Ephesians 1, it talks about he lavished his love upon us. Like Just bask in that in the, in the moment and allow it to, to, uh, uh, to, to so shape your life that when you step out to work and do your stuff, you're coming from a completely different place that you just allow flourishing and life to come wherever you go, wherever your feet step. Because actually I think that's the result of a life that's abiding with Christ. Because you can't, the trees that have been planted in this garden... Um, they didn't work hard to plant trees. It was the byproduct of roots that were going went down deep that were well planted, and they bear fruit. Same is true for us. And what's the potential of an apple? It's not another apple, actually. Potential for an orchard. So what's God deposited in you? That isn't just just about addition, but it's about multiplication. So maybe we could just begin thinking a little bit differently rather than about addition, but more about multiplication because of what God has deposited in us, working through us for his glory and his name's sake. So the mission, the mission is the primary thing. Don't get distracted by other things. Live in light of God's gracious blessing upon you. He longs to lavish it upon you. Live a life that is walking with him and knowing him, abiding in him, flourishing in him. Because if people see you flourish, they'll want to know what you've got. And flourishing isn't about your material possession. It's about the, inner, the life in you flowing out of you. So let it be seen. And then get busy. Making disciples. Pointing people to Jesus. And have a praise party once a year. So plan it. I I, I didn't plan to say this. 
But, um, but maybe this time next year, we could plan a praise party for all the people over the next, uh, this next 12 months that have come to faith and begin to celebrate the right things. Yeah. Don't celebrate your busyness because you're a busy church. Don't celebrate that. Celebrate the right things. Celebrate the people that are coming to faith and are meeting Jesus and who, are, who, who may be even just on the journey of faith. But celebrate that stuff because what you celebrate will flourish. What you celebrate will flourish. And so thank you so much um, for having me. Um, can I just say that if you wanted to partner with us in, in any ways you can, you can pray for Eden Missions, you can pray for our missionaries. I'd love to tell you some more stories about them. They're just doing amazing things across the earth. We've got over 70 missionaries in 56 countries. I think it is. Danny might correct me if I'm wrong on that. But we've got a number of missionaries um, that are just scattered across the earth doing incredible things. Our global partners um, are they're just, as I, I, I met, was able to meet with some of them in India. If you get on Google, you can Google an organization called Gems and just see what they're about. So focused. They, they, don't, they don't train Christians, by the way. They train missionaries. So anybody who comes to faith in Christ, they're not trained to just do the Christian thing. They're trained as missionaries. So maybe the emphasis that we have to begin to thinking through in the West is how do we train people not to do the church thing, but to do the mission thing. And in so doing, in doing the mission thing, I think it begins to influence the way that we do the church thing because we put the primary thing first, front and center. And you can, you can pray with us. You can give um, pound by pound is a, a scheme that we run, um, four pound a month just to invest in what we are trying to do in Elam Missions and um, enables us to facilitate um, mission across the globe and help our missionaries partner with our missionaries. So the minimum is £4 a month. Um, if you're able, you could do more, great. Um, but we'd love you to partner with us in this way. Um, and I think that is it. So thank you so much. Can I pray for you as a church? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Father, I thank you for your... Um, your goodness and mercy and kindness and grace upon us. Lord, I thank you that you are so kind to us. That you forgive us of our wrongdoing and you invite us into this life, this eternal life that begins in the here and now that so transforms us by the power of your spirit at work in us. I thank you, Lord, that you invite us to participate with you in, in your mission to align our life with your purposes. And so, Lord, I ask that this congregation, this group of people, would have a big vision of what you're calling them to do. Not for their name's sake, not for their glory, but that your ways might be known in Carmarthenshire and beyond. That missionaries might rise up from within this, the life of this church that will go and do cross-cultural mission and reach nations, reach some of those unreached people groups that are yet to be reached. But Lord, most of all, I ask that there would be a multiplication of salvation that would take place in this house. That the people of this house would be so captivated by your majesty and splendor and your good news, Jesus, that it would flow out of them as they abide with you and know you and love you and walk with you. That this whole environment would begin to flourish with kingdom life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, come on. <laughs> that, was, that was just fantastic. Thank you so much. I am so challenged. Oh, my gosh. So challenged. Are you challenged? <laughs>